Good morning, artisan family and friends. My name is Ben, and uh, I realized last night that I got tricked into doing the Sunday morning where you don't get as much sleep. <laughs> and I just imagined Nelson and Lance and maybe even the whole lead team, I don't know, and they're all kind of saying, oh man, who's enthusiasm outweighs their judgment. <laughs> Let's ask Ben. And they, so here I am, like you, and I'm like, wow, look at all of us. One hour sleep, but we're like, we don't care. But did you notice there's a few less kids? <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And t- can we just give a hand to the parents who did come with their kids? Can we just clap for them? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. My goodness. Well, I'm, I'm so pumped to be sharing this morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. I want to introduce myself, though. We have the Middlers in with us. Where are my Middlers at? Can you just say, we call them Middlers. You're like, what, the Middlers? Yeah, there, there's my nephew, Cristiano. Uh, his, that's what I call him in Italian. Uh, his name's Christian. And Berlin, right? Yeah, we're doing it. Okay. And uh, they have a little thing, and there's a quiz in there, and, uh, and it talks about, you know, and part of it is about me. And so I thought I'd just introduce myself first. And uh, my favorite thing about Artisan is, I mean, I read this list of options in in the booklet here. It's uh, what is Ben's favorite part of Sundays at Artisan? The communion bread, because he loves to eat, which is, that's true. That's very true. Singing worship music, because he loves to sing, also true. Playing with babies, because he loves being silly. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I like all those things. I told them that my favorite thing is singing, but then when, the, when I saw the list, I was like, I don't want to have to choose, you know what I mean? But you don't have to choose, right? Uh, one, one of the ways I'd love to introduce myself is I'm a friend of Andrew's. Andrew, can you just wave? You guys know Andrew? Andrew's one of the best, seriously. Okay, but guys, one of my proudest moments is I'm, in, uh, I'm YouTube famous. Now, let me explain. I, uh, I was with some friends, and we were on the back of a boat, and my friend had a drone, and I said, let me catch the drone, because uh, I saw the other guys catching the drone. And so then I went to catch the drone, but it's one of those drones you should catch like this, so you don't hurt your fingers like I did. And I caught it like this. And, it, and I want to show you, can we just show you the, the first clip? See, the bottom right there, left, right, bottom right there, you see that's me. Best of the week by, uh, on, posted on YouTube. Look, see how many views are under that? 984,000 views. Best of the week compilation. But let me just show you the next slide because they reposted this video of me catching a drone in the back of the book. And wait, just before we press play on this, I'm going to show you the video. This is, I just did a screen recording. Best fails of the year, 2017 part two. Okay, and then look at the view count under that. You can't see it, but I'll tell you what it is. It's 8.2 million views. I might be the only guy you know who's virus, okay? So let's press play on it. I want you to see it. Press play on it. Press play on it. Yeah, here we go. I go, bring it in. Bring it in. Oh! We're on a moving boat. It was such a cool plan. Oh! The audio wasn't working. Maybe we can, can, look at this. Fail Army. Best of 2017. Can we just, thank you. Thank you. Nobody cares. Awesome. Thank you. It's pretty awesome. I, I started having friends text me when those videos started popping up because there's actually like at least, at least five of them that I know and totaling about 11 million views now. And um, I, every time another one goes up, my friends text me and they go, bro, is this you? And I go, oh yeah. And I, was, I told a uh, cashier once, I said, I'm on a fail video. She goes, that's awesome, you're famous. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 
And so I'm just, I'm like, you know, that's just by way of introducing myself. We're in the middle of a sermon series right now called The Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and uh, Nelson started two weeks ago. And uh, one of the, the very important things that you need to know about this, the Sermon on the Mount, is it starts with blessing. It starts with blessing. It doesn't start with, hey, commands, you need to do this. It starts with blessing. It starts, it starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Nelson, two weeks ago, he shared with us that the poor in spirit, we're not believing that's a good thing. When you, when you tell somebody, when you're like, oh, that guy, he's so poor in spirit. You're not like, oh, cool, I want to be like that guy. No, poor in spirit. He, God's, Jesus is announcing the blessing for those who are poor in spirit who are, are kind of lower, who maybe even don't feel like they got a lot going on inside. Another thing is, last week we talked about blessed are those who mourn, not just those who are happy. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are, and then today we're looking at, uh, what, what's the page number we're on here, guys? Can we put, throw that up? Oh, we got, I put it up on the screen. Page 677, pull it up in the chair Bible if you want. Uh, and and uh, is this, can I borrow this one? Thanks, Greg. Oh, it's already there. Wow, look at this. That was like a setup. Thank you. Cheers. 677. It's on page 677 in my Bible. And it says, I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And this is where we're landing today. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I want to just start by just saying, so we're going blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth, but what does it mean meek? So let's just, let's, I just want to define meekness, okay? And so this is, this is maybe some things that came to mind. I love some crowd participation here. Those, this, you know, those pictures maybe aren't actually meekness. Some crowd participation. What do you think meek? What comes to mind when you hear the word meek? Just go, shout it out. Andrew, you're, I'm expecting something from you because I said you're my friend. What meek? What comes to mind? What is it? Friend of God. Friend of God. What else? Power under control. What were you going to say? You're going to say the same thing? Strength. Strength under control. What else? Any other things come to mind when you hear meek? Like gentle. Yeah. What else? Pained. Tamed by God. What else? Quiet. Yeah. Humble. Yeah, what else? Anything else? Weak. Yeah, when I think of meekness, I think, when I think, oh, that person's, like, pretty meek. And, like, I think in Vancouver, if we kind of said that, you'd kind of go, okay, what is that? Like, it doesn't sound like a compliment. Similar to how if you said, oh, that person's, like, super humble, in a church context, actually, that's a real compliment. But in outside the church context in, in society, it's kind of, like, not necessarily a compliment. It might be, but it's not necessarily Meek, weakness. Well, actually, what it's, I was thinking about sadness from Inside Out. I just love Inside Out. You guys seen that movie? It's so good. And this, she's just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll just stay here. And oh. You know, like she's just so sad. And then Eeyore, I was thinking about Eeyore. And he's just like so down and everything. But it's, I don't think it's Eeyore. Eeyore's just like, yeah, I got a tail, I guess. <laughs> it's not the best tail, but... I'm not the best donkey. I don't know what, like what, Eeyore's just like, he's just, but, but that's not what it means, meek. The, the, when I looked up the, the Greek word, and when I say when I looked up, I, when Scott looked it up for me, uh, when Scott looked up the Greek word, it's the word praus. So this is what the New Testament's written in Greek, and it's this word praus. 
praus, and it translates gentle or humble. And a lot of times we get people kind of get this idea of, of yeah, it's not, it's not a matter of weakness or strength. It actually could be strength, but under control. But it's gentle and humble. And so we act, Jesus actually describes himself using the word meek. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble of heart. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, he says. So Jesus actually used this. And when I think about Jesus, I don't think of someone who's weak. I think of someone who is in charge. He's on the throne. He's strong. He, he endured pain for people. And so I think about the strength. So it's not just, it's not weakness. And then actually in the Old Testament, it's used to describe Moses. He was meek. And it's like, well, Moses, he was leader of the whole nation. And so when we look at, at, at the word meek, this, we're defining it today as humble and gentle. Okay, so it's not Eeyore, okay? And um, this is, what's interesting is it's, it says, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble and gentle, for they will inherit the earth. But I'm like, when I look around, I'm like, I feel like it's not the humble and gentle who inherit the earth. It's like the rich, mean people who take the earth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm like a sucker for documentaries. I like get really into like, like not conspiracy theories, but like true conspiracies. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like true conspiracies, not theories. And like, I just, I just, I mean, I don't, don't get me started, right? Don't get me, this is a dark path. It's a dark path. There's this one book called Dark Money. You guys know about Dark Money? I don't know. If you like that sort of thing, write it down. Dark Money by, I think her name is Jane Mayer. It's, it's insane. The world is insane. And what you see in the world is actually that it's the rich, mean, smart people who take over. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's the opposite way. And so it's kind of like, wait, the, the who's going to inherit the earth? The meek, the humble. Those who are gentle will inherit the earth. And, and at first it doesn't make sense, but then you start thinking, putting that in the context of all these things that Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount, and you go, oh yeah, it's this upside-down kingdom. Can we throw up, i got a slide of a list of upside-down kingdom, uh, but let's just leave it there for a second. Uh, when I think about upside-down kingdom, this is what I think about, okay, Midlers, you might like this. Imagine going into a store, and all the price tags are switched. It's like someone had the price gun. Have you ever had the power of the price gun? Put up your hand if you've had the power of the, how cool is that? Did you not feel like so powerful? It's similar to the power you feel when you have a laminator. Anybody have a laminator? Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, what are those things? Labelers? Labelers? Oh my gosh. Like you get a labeler, a laminator, or a price tag gun, and you're like, move over, world. Like, I'm in charge. I'm like, like, I'm the kind of guy who gets the price tag gun taken away from him. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, this is $2. This is $2. This is $2. Your $2 right in the forehead. Perfect. But you imagine walking into a store. It's an upside down kingdom, and all the price tags are switched. The television is $2. And a fork is 200. And if Eeyore was there, he'd go, oh well, I guess I'll have to eat with my hooves. <laughs> but in the kingdom, everything's upside down. And in Vancouver, it's like, it's like we think, you know, uh, maybe we're in Vancouver, it's interesting. We, don't, we, want, we want enough, we want to work hard enough and advance enough in our careers and be good looking enough to have enough free time, right? We want enough free time and comfort and convenience, but it's not power necessarily. Like power, it's not really popular around here to go for power, but in the world system, it's like power, popularity, good looks. You have enough money, so you have tons of free time and comfort and convenience, but in the upside down kingdom, it's actually the opposite. Jesus says, oh, serve, be humble, be gentle. Look at some of these in the upside down kingdom. The first will be last and the last will be first. Look at this next one. If you want to become great, become the servant of all. 
And then there's God chooses the weak and foolish. He chooses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. He chooses the strong th- the, or the, the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Did I say the strong? I mixed up the words. You know what I mean. He chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chooses the foolish things of the world to confuse and confound the wise. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You kind of go, wait, what? Really? Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit. Blessed are the persecuted and mistreated. In the kingdom of God, in this upside-down kingdom, it's, it's actually to find freedom, you find freedom in surrender. If you want to find your life, lose it. And blessed are the humble and gentle. So this is like countercultural, and it's counterintuitive, but it's a huge relief. It's a huge relief when we realize this kingdom, this, that you can operate a different way. And that's the way of Jesus. When we follow Jesus, it's totally upside down, backwards, it's seemingly backwards. And I had a, um, I'll just share one experience of my own, kind of in this upside down kingdom. I, um, for my job, I work for Alpha. Some of you have heard of the Alpha course, and we've done it here a few times, and so especially in the youth context. And so I was a youth pastor for a long time, and now I work for Alpha. And so one of my parts of my job right now is I go to youth leader conferences, and I try to tell them about Alpha. I want to just spread the word because Alpha, we made this video series, and we give it away for free. So it's like, it's kind of a fun job. I just get to tell people about it, why we made it, how we made it, and we give it away for free. So when I go to these youth worker conferences, I, I'm trying to find the most influential, the most networked, the, the, the people who are most important so I can connect with them and say, hey, and this is common sense, right? Hey, who are, who's in charge? Make sure they know about it and they tell all their friends. And so uh, let me show you this picture. This is a, of a, a conference I was going to, this um, 2015. So it's just like, that's just a room full of youth pastors, lights, camera, action. But there was this conference, and there's about 2,000 youth workers. <coughs> and I found myself getting ready to go. And, uh, okay, I'm like, i got to meet the most important people. i gotta, I got to be ready for this. And like, so I was kind of psyching myself up. And then, but inside of me, I felt all these insecurities coming up. I felt all this kind of like, I felt this need to puff myself up, and and then I thought about the atmosphere, and I got really like, oh, I don't want to go there. I'm going to go to this room where there's a lot of us who are feeling this need to puff ourselves up. How big's your youth group? What have you accomplished in your ministry? And I'm like, and and it's and then there's this layer of it's like pastors, so you kind of feel like it feels even grosser. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that. What do I do? And I remember I was praying, and one day I was reading in. uh, in the message translation, let me show you this verse. And I was so grateful for finding this verse. Jesus is talking. He says, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, literally I was, I was thinking puff. And then I read puff. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, God, are you speaking to me? If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to be, simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. If you're content to simply be yourself, then your life will count for plenty. So then I had to go this quick, like, wait, so I just have to be myself. I just got to be content being myself. And then I had this moment where I'm like, who am I? But thankfully, God's been trying to teach me, and he's trying to teach all of us for years. He's been trying to teach me, who am I? And, and that, so I knew the answer, the right Sunday school answer. I'm a loved son. I'm a loved son. So I knew the answer. So then I, I sat there and I said, God, help me remember and know deep in my soul and be content with that I'm a loved son. I don't have to, to like Brene Brown, she talks about hustling for your self-worth. I don't have to hustle or strive for my worth. I'm loved as I am. You made me. You've given me gifts. 
I got a lot of weaknesses and inadequacies, and I made a, make a lot of mistakes, but I'm so loved. So I just sat in that for a little bit. And I want to read you this quote from Ruth Haley Barton. I love what she says. She says, when we are experiencing ourselves as the beloved of God, accepted and cherished by him in all our beauty and brokenness, our hard, rough edges start to soften. And then she says, we begin to see others as beloved as well. And that is what gets reflected back to them when they look into our eyes. And so this is literally, I, I, I found this, and I was like, that's what happened for me. As I'm sitting there going, who am I? I just want to be content to be myself. I don't have to strive and hustle. And I was like, oh, I'm loved. I'm, lo- I'm totally loved. And then I started to think about this room full of youth pastors, these men and women. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're so loved. I started thinking about, and so then what happens is you start looking at people, and you start like looking, I'm like, oh my gosh, he loves you so much, you know what I mean? Like you guys have met, have you guys met Alice? Like, oh my gosh, like you're so loved, Alice, like seriously. Like when you look at her, it's like a treasure, right? You're like, you're loved, and you feel that, and so when you know you're loved, you're content to be yourself, you look at other people and go, oh my gosh, you're loved, oh my goodness, he loves you so much, and you start, it's just like, it's like consuming, and then the more you realize how loved everybody else is, the less I'm worried about myself. I'm not complaining. Comparing, right? Also, there's this freedom from comparison and, and like striving. And then we, here's what's really cool. Two things happen. Well, three. One is the, the, the freedom that I just explained from comparison and some of my insecurities. Not all of them. That would be nice, hey? And so, but there's this freedom that I experienced. The other thing that happened was uh, I actually made some meaningful connections. I would say, God, I'm not going to, because this is what I was worried about. I had felt this pressure that when I'm talking to someone, if I don't perceive them as, quote, important, that if I'm looking at them, I'm looking over their shoulder, right, for someone else who is seemingly more important. So I'm like, even though I'm talking to someone right here, I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then I'm like, oh, there's that, that, that lady, she leads this ministry. I gotta t-. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, cool, bro. Hey, you know, you're a cool story, bro. Okay, catch up later. And then like off to find someone who's, quote, more important. But I was free from that. And what I would do is I remember this one morning, it would like hit me like, this conference, so I had this time, I prayed. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, and I was like, everyone's loved. And I was like, but I still gotta do this job, right? So I prayed, God, can I connect with, uh, I remember this one uh, leader. I was like, can I connect with him? And, and I literally left my hotel room. I walked across. I went to the volunteer room to get a bottle of water, and it was totally empty. There was only this one guy I wanted to connect with. And I was like, whoa, that's an answer to prayer. Because I could have spent two days just wandering around. And this wasn't the first day. This was like the second day. I could have spent three days wandering around trying to connect with this guy. But I just was like, I'm just going to give it up. The other thing that happened was, because I wasn't looking over people's shoulders, I met people and I felt a more meaningful connection. I've actually have made some friends now from that 2015 conference, and then I met them at other youth worker conferences again. And there was this one couple that came up to me after uh, one of the sessions, and they said, hey, let's come for lunch with us. And I said, okay. Usually I might be thinking, oh, but I got to, but I wasn't. I was thinking, oh, yeah, great. I'm looking at them, and I'm going, man, they're so loved. And uh, so we go out for lunch, and it's, their name is Brett and Shaylee Ratliff. And Shaylee starts sharing their journey as a couple, how they met Jesus and started following Jesus. Then they, they, she started sharing about how they, they, they had a miscarriage. They've had more than one miscarriage. And so for my wife and I, that's been a tough journey for us. We've been trying to, trying to make a baby for a long time. We had a miscarriage. So I got this baby up in heaven who I call Benjamin. I'm sorry if she's a girl. Because um, my wife says I can't call my babies here Benjamin. And so my baby in heaven's Benjamin. But they, I start meeting Shaylee and Brett, and they start opening up about their life. And they start sharing. And now all of a sudden, like, we become friends over the last few years. And it was, it was a friendship that I wouldn't have made if I was running around, you know, with my head. So that's just, an, like, one example of the upside-down kingdom. 
Is that me? Is that my phone? What's going on? No? Perfect. Is that like a, it's just a phone maybe, right? Like I'm so like, it's like there's way too many iPhones in culture, so when another sound goes, you're like, what is that? That's not marimba. <laughs> like, is it, a, is it an old computer or something? <laughs> Sorry, if that was your phone, I was not supposed to mention things like that, but squirrel. Guys, when I'm thinking about this verse, the blessed are the meek, the humble and gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Um, one of the people I thought of was uh, a guy named John Vanier. Have you guys ever heard of John Vanier? He started L'Arche Community, and uh, this is a community that works with uh, people with developmental disabilities, and they've started a bunch of communities, started in Canada and, and all over the world. I think there's about 80 communities networked, and they, so it's people who live and care for people with developmental disabilities. And I, this guy's like, he's such a picture of Christ, and uh, I want to show you a video, actually. Did we figure out audio? Yeah, we're good. So I want to show you a video of large community. Maybe, if some, maybe Danny, could you kill the, is there lights in this place? Let's kill the lights. Could you quickly just close those blinds? Just kidding, there's no blinds. I'm living with people who are fragile, but we're all fragile, let's face it. But we've found ways of hiding our fragility. The big human problem is just to accept all people as they are. They might have capacities or incapacities, but they're a person. And of course, what I found here in Lash is for everybody. This is in France, by the way. <laughs> See, the wise and the powerful are up in their heads, whereas the weak are in the dirt. Weakness then becomes the transmission of a cry, and the end of the cry is a coming together. But these were people who were at the bottom of the ladder of social status. And they taught me about what it means to be really a human person and to learn to love and let the barriers down. Javanier is a man who loves a lot. He loves a because L'Arche is not a utopia, it's a hope. Isn't that awesome? I love that one, this one guy says, he loves me very much. I'm like, that's awesome. I would want all my friends and people in my life to be like, oh, Ben, he loves me very much. And when I was thinking about Jean Vanier, I was thinking, oh, man, this guy has decided to devote his life to 
those who society, kinda, he, like he says, are at the bottom of the social ladder. And, uh, and he says, we're all kind of, a lot of us are uh, consumed with trying to climb the ladder. But then he says this, he says that, that the, at the bottom, you'll find the presence of God. He goes, that's where the presence of God is, at the bottom. And so the, here's this man, blessed are the meek, the humble and gentle, for they will inherit the earth. And I think there is a future reward we're looking towards. There's a future reward. But also there is a, a blessing now. There's a, there's a, a power and, and a blessing and, and there's, there is benefits now to, to living this kingdom life. I'm thinking about him and I'm thinking about all those people in his communities. He's the first one to tell you it's, very, it's hard work. Other, they work so hard to keep the peace and there's a lot of work to do. But he's, he's saying, oh, this is worth it. So he's a gift then to these people. And, then they're a gift, and it's also a gift to their families. And then when I watch it and you watch it, I go, oh my gosh, this is a gift to me. Because he's reminding me there's beauty in every single one of us. These people have beauty and meaning and purpose. And so it's like, oh, and they're drawing something out of us. That's what he said. The weakness is a cry. And that cry is a transmission. It calls for something out of us. It calls for love out of us. And so when I think about Blessed are the humble and gentle, for they will inherit the earth. I'm reminded of, uh, I think it's at least twice in the New Testament, and maybe more than twice in the Old Testament, it says, it says God gives grace to the humble. Well, I wish we could decide exactly what the grace is. If I humble myself before God and others, I wish I could decide that means promotion, money, solves all my problems, all my prayers are answered. But that's not what we're talking about. But there is a blessing, a future reward, yes, but also a present benefit to humbling ourselves. When I think about money, I think if I, if I give money away, if I, I continue to just force myself to give money away, what does that do? It, it liberates me. It breaks the power of greed and materialism in my life. And so i got to like kind of pry open my fingers sometimes and just say, no, i got to give, i got to give, because I don't want that hold on my life. When we think about uh, serving Humbly, we know there's a blessing. We prefer others, and we, it, it, it liberates us to celebrate others when we kind of walk in humility and gentleness. So Jesus is saying, if you are gentle and humble, you are blessed. Jesus, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see time and time again, probably every sermon, that Jesus is the fulfillment we, the, the further you dive into the Sermon on the Mount, these, these blessings that start, and then lots of different commands. You've heard it said this. Uh, Lance, I think they tricked me again. They asked me in the future date to do the one on, um, like, adultery and lust. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to speak. And so then I'm like, can I do another one? No, no, that's the one. I was like, okay. And I just, I'd like, future Brent, he's like, he's just pumped to speak. And then I realized, wait, that sounds really hard to talk about, <laughs> adultery and lust. So something to look forward to, guys. I'll be back again in a few months talking about that. Okay, Midlers, maybe we'll do another Midler Sunday that week. That's cool. Maybe not. But that Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. We can't do it. We fall short. But there's this grace. There's this blessing. And Jesus is the answer. He's the fulfillment. He is the meek one. He's the ultimate meek one who will inherit the earth. Jesus, he says, he describes himself as humble and gentle. He goes, oh, you're wearied? You're tired? You're burdened? Come follow me. Take my yoke on me. I'm meek. I'm gentle and humble of heart. 
He's the ultimate meek one. He served. I love in uh, a, a number of spots, I think it's Mark and Matthew, he says, I didn't come to serve, to be served. <laughs> Got it wrong. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. <laughs> Jesus says, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love hearing Daryl Johnson talk about this sacrificial, this servantness of God. And it's like, and he kind of paints a picture of God in heaven deciding, how am I going to show humanity what I'm like up close and personal? And he says, I know, I'll go and serve even to the point of death. And he gave his life on the cross. He took our shame and guilt and, and our chaos, and he gives us his freedom, forgiveness, and peace. He goes, that's the best way I can show, show people what I'm like, is to come and not to be served, but to serve and to give my life. There's a, on, in Lent, we're kind of looking at Jesus' journey closer to the cross and the ultimate resurrection. And uh, there's, there's a scene uh, where Jesus is entering Jerusalem and where this word meek shows up again. Again, Scott was really nice to look this up for me. Uh, he found all the places where praus was used, and I was like, wow, that is good. Yes, you were talking about this. And then let me read this verse to you from, um, from Matthew 21, where Jesus is entering Jerusalem. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place, now look at this. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It says the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on them. And I, I, there's this picture. It's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and it says, here comes your king, gentle and riding on a donkey. Uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, Jesus movies, is this movie Miracle Maker. Uh, it's a claymation Jesus movie, okay? Has anybody ever come across this movie? Is there anyone here? Oh, man, it's so rare. There's so few people who have come across it. It literally is like, it's, it's up there with the best Jesus movies ever made. I wish they would make it like not claymation version also for people who maybe are not into claymation as much. <laughs> but it's such, an, that girl in the front is uh, Jairus', Jairus daughter. There's this like, so the story writing is phenomenal. Ralph Fiennes, Fiennes, you know Ralph Fiennes, right? Voldemort. He's Jesus. I'm like, how did this guy do that? How did he do that? He's like casting for Harry Potter, and they're like, what else have you done? I've been Jesus. Oh, you'll, you'll do great. <laughs> you will be he who shall not be named because you've been the Lord. I don't understand what, how he got those, both those jobs. I don't know which one came first, but it's crazy. Guys, this is the best Jesus movie, okay? And one of the things I'm going to show you is, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I'm going to show you is a clip of Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. And, it's, and what you'll see is, I'll kind of narrate a little bit of it for you. Uh, Judas is looking at Jesus, and he sees Jesus coming into the city, and then he has this kind of, it goes to a, a cartoon. So it's claymation, cartoon. There's a lot going on in this. That's why i got to preface it for you, okay? He sees Jesus, and, he imag and it shows, goes to his imagination. Judas is imagining what it's going to be like. And it, he imagines Jesus riding on a horse. So Jesus is the one on the horse going, Whoa! and he sees the, the Roman emblems being shattered, the Roman uh, buildings being destroyed. And because the dream for them was that this new king would take over. They'd take back Israel, and they'd overthrow the Roman government. And so they, it really, this, this is why i got to show it to you, because it's claymation, animation, and it captures the idea too. And so 
Judas is looking and he goes, and then all of a sudden Jesus appears on a donkey, gentle, riding on a donkey, not on a war horse, and instead of swords and spears, ready to take over Rome, or you know, throw Rome out of the country, it's, they got palm branches. And Judas goes, huh? Okay, so can we, I just, can I show you, you ready for that? Okay, lights, Danny, you ready on the lights? Someone's back there, okay, lights. Oh yeah, Danny, thank you, yeah, just sit there. <laughs> Perfect, no lights. That's JC right there. This is Judas. Wait for it. Huh? Blessed be the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The music. Blessed be the king. They're singing, Blessed be the king. That will mean more than singing, because if nothing ever changes. Oh my goodness. You're welcome. Blessed be the king, blessed be the king. By the way, Peter is Scottish in this. He goes, they're saying, blessed be the king. And, they, and then that might have been a little bit Irish. But then he goes, but if nothing ever changes, he goes, but if nothing ever changes, if he's just singing, I love that. He goes, wait, what? Jesus is, the king is what? And then I was like, I wonder if I can make a gif of this. You just press play on that. And so we just, I made a gif of just that moment. Huh? Huh? What? Swords, right? Donkey, Huh? Uh, how did, what? What are they have palm branches? We should have spears, huh? And, anyhow, keep that on a loop. It was the total opposite of what Judas expected. Guys, Clara, I just want you to know, this is the greatest slideshow I've ever made. And I made it for you. And all your friends. Uh, guys, let me go, yeah, let's go to a verse. Y'all get serious. Wow, it just took me there. Thanks, Spencer. <laughs> Guys, look at this, okay? This, this is what it says about Jesus, the ultimate meek one. It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And I, there's something powerful in this verse. Again, that it's capturing this humility of Christ. The submitting of Christ to be insulted, mistreated, beaten, even put on the cross. There's something here. Because it's showing us that there's not a weakness. There's a conscious decision. There's a, I'm going to do this because I'm trusting myself to one who judges justly. This verse has, has made a really big impact on my life. This idea, especially. What does it mean for me to entrust myself to him who judges justly? That even if my boss is unjust... That even if things don't go how I want, even if people in my family are unjust and I'm misunderstood, that I can trust myself to him who judges justly. And I can choose the way of Christ, the way of mercy, the way of tenderness, the way of forgiveness, the way of forgiveness, the way of forgiveness. And I said it three times because you have to go the way of forgiveness. And then you're like, again, the way of forgiveness. And then, oh, that hurts. The way of forgiveness. It's like you choose the way of Christ. Man, he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And as we come close to Christ, he's our example, yes. But he's not just the example. He's shaping his life and his humility in us by his spirit. I love it. I'm so grateful. I was thinking this morning, I'm leaving my carport. It's not a carport. It's an underground parking lot. And I'm driving, and I'm like, what am I most excited about today? 
What am I most excited about today? And I was like, oh, it's because it's just this, this way of humility, the way of gentleness is the way of Jesus. And we meet Jesus there. Pope Francis, I love how he teaches about, about Jesus and the tenderness and mercy of Jesus. Yeah, they, uh, the Catholic Church, they just declared it's the year of mercy. But I'm pretty sure the Pope declared that like three years ago. It's the year of mercy. I don't know the exact dates. But he's like, because he gets that, you know, it was like 2015, the year of mercy. 2016, he goes, guys, it's the year of mercy. Because he's saying, I don't think you get it. He's so tender. He's so humble. He's so kind. When he looks on you, he's not upset. He's so merciful. I love, there's this one line he writes in Evangelii Gaudum, which is the joy of the gospel. He says, he says, Jesus never tires of showing mercy. We tire of asking. He goes, but he never tires. And he goes, go to that place of prayer. He'll meet you there. I love that. And so I'm like, the, the thing I'm most excited about is that Jesus will meet us. He meets us here. He meets us at the table. He meets us when we humble ourselves in relationship. He meets us in the place of prayer when we humble ourselves and we pray. Uh, one of my mentors and youth pastors, uh, uh, he wasn't my youth pastor, but I, he was old enough, so I called him my youth pastor. Uh, he, whenever he would pray, he would always start a prayer the same way. He would start his prayer by saying, and a lot of times he'd get down on his knees. He'd get down on his knees and he'd close his eyes and he'd say, God, thank you that you're God and we're not. And he'd always start his prayer like that. And I was like, what a weird way to start your prayer. And, they, and then we hey, let's pray, guys. And he'd go, God, thank you that you're God and we're not. God, thank you that you're God and we're not. And then, but what I realized is also like it's a teaching tool. When you keep repeating the same prayer, like I have another a prof who would always pray, gracious heavenly father. He always started his prayer, gracious heavenly father, gracious heavenly father. My, my friend Mara, she's, a, she's a, a beautiful Catholic, and she says, she always starts, God, we give you thanks and praise. God, we give you thanks and praise. So you just notice these things about people, right? Do you have one, a way that you pray? Do you have dear God or Lord? What, I don't know, what do you do? Pick a good one. Heavenly Father, he says, he would say, God, thank you that you're God and we're not. But everything in that statement, was that there was a true gratitude. He's saying, oh, I'm so glad I don't have your job. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have your job. And there's a trust. He's saying, oh, you're God. I can trust you. I'm so, thank you that you're God. I'm not. And so I don't know if you want to use a prayer like that today as we continue to worship and come to the table. Just, God, thank you. Thank you that you're God and I'm not. But Jesus is our example He's the ultimate demonstration of this mercy and gentleness and humility. And he's not just the example. He's the one who we meet, and he transforms us. Sound good? Can we pray? Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're God and we're not. Thank you for your great patience with me. Thank you for your mercy and forgiveness continually. I pray you'd capture my heart and my mind again and bring it to you. And God, you know how I fall short in this area of gentleness and humility. You know how each of us falls short in gentleness and humility. And we say, we give that to you. We bring our, the wrong choices we've made and we bring our our weakness, and we say, strengthen us. Shape your life in us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Let me overflow with love. Remind all of us that we can simply be content to be ourselves. Loved sons, loved daughters. Thank you, God. Thank you for the cross. 
Thank you for the resurrection that proved that you are the one who will inherit the earth. You've made a way for us to know you. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Guys, thank you so much. Midlers, I hope that was all right.